Seizing the moment, being aware of the emotion. Hello and welcome to On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus, hope you're well. So this, we're doing the FAWC and WSL catch-up. It was the first weekend for the WSL and it was week two for the FAWC or WSL2, take your pick. Okay, the hype lived up to expectations on the return of the WSL. It did, fans expected a fully functioning team in certain areas and they didn't get it we're going to go through most of the fixtures most of them apologies in advance if i miss any times against me but in terms of expectation fans were talking up everton before any ball was kicked in anger and they were expecting a fully functioning everton against a really good manchester city and fans were left wanting for more. This was not a fully functioning Everton at all. This was what you called the dodgy Christmas cracker toy that you would have received as to what went wrong here. At best, at best, Everton were average, and I'm being kind. Manchester City were fantastic in terms of the individuals that they had on display considering they had an injured Lucy Bronze recovering from a surgery. Everton were without Rasso who had switched sides and you know this for me was one of the key things for them. They didn't have the drive that they had previously had in the previous season. Rasso's drive and energy was now in the Manchester City side and it was very much definitely one of those games where she was missed. She was missed. This fixture had the gloom of ghosts of futures past in terms of Everton, where fans expected so much more and they were left wanting. It may end up being, in hindsight, the best start that Everton could get. And some people will think, what is that about? But maybe getting one of the big teams out of the way will help them pick up momentum later on in the season. Who will know? But it's one of the things that you can think about. In terms of this game, they will not want to watch this again because it will only display all of the things that they didn't do wrong. And I don't know if they can build on what they didn't do right, if you get what I mean. So Manchester City, impetus is with them. They were fantastic. They shimmied across the football dance floor like Strictly Come Dancing reunion they were brilliant Greenwood's tackling was good and her passing was great and and I suppose in essence when Manchester City fans were probably a little bit nervous about the defensive um, abilities that they had considering Lucy Bronze was injured the passing of Greenwood definitely helped ease their nerves and the passing actually covered the frailties the defensive frailties that they may have had um, Greenwood's pass to Russell, bypassing whatever Everton press there was. Fantastic. Uh, she was unable to benefit uh, initially from the first pass that I saw in the highlights. Um, getting an on goal, it was really, really good. In terms of the pick of the passes, you could talk about in the game, Becky's pass. Becky's pass was truly what you called ice-cold delivery pass. It is a killer. It is a killer. And if a pass like that was made in the men's game by Ronaldo or Pogba or Bruno Fernandes or anyone else with Jack Grealish, we talk about it nonstop. But the pass by Becky was fantastic. I mean, it killed the Everton defence. The run by Weir, not picked up. Poor defending, you can say that. 
but it was absolutely brilliant. There was no goal from the initial attempt, but the composure of Lasada to put the ball in off the post. I mean, you know, you have to kind of go back and look at it again if you haven't seen it. It is nothing sure of, and I love my film references, of the Neo from the Matrix moment. The pause to slow down everything else around her and then find the back of the net in off the post. It's absolutely fantastic. From a Manchester City point of view, it is the best start that they could have, considering Chelsea's slight slip. Considering Chelsea's slight slip. But in terms of Everton, you can look at it two ways. It's either it's better to get teams like Manchester City out of the way now so that they can then start in earnest, or it's going to be one of those seasons where we say we expected so much more and we're left wanting for so much more. Um, the other big game, and there were quite a few big games. Let's not forget that Manchester United started off the weekend with a, with a win. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, Arsenal v Chelsea. Everyone would have been watching this game. It was the, almost like the stellar draw for the WSL. Um, a good crowd. Lots of chatter about um, crowd attendances on social media for good reasons, obviously. We'll see what happens going through the season. But in terms of the game itself, Chelsea had big holes in their defence, which Arsenal exploited. You know, Miedemar and Mead's partnership, it just looked fantastic. Mead's running. I don't know what was going on with the Chelsea back line. We know that they had a couple of players missing. They didn't recruit a decent right back to replace the right back that went out. They're filling in holes with individuals that aren't necessarily defenders. But needless to say, the read, the, the running from Mead to score the goals, the passing by Miedemar, the finish by Miedemar was fantastic. Now, there is talk of VAR. You know, VAR couldn't help stop Arsenal's movement. Arsenal's movement was that good. I don't think it could help the gaping holes in Chelsea's back line. The, the movement was that good. What it could do is deal with the offsides. What it could do with VAR or goal line technology is deal with the, the balls crossing the line. And there is a question that you can have is if there's any game, it doesn't matter about whether it's the WSL or the championship, if there is a game televised on television, what is stopping VAR from being there? What is it? Do they have to lay additional cables for these games? I mean, if they can do it in the Premier League, I'm sure the equipment is mobile. They have a vast array of individuals to take a round to each round. Surely they could spare the technology when it's international weekend, surely they could do that. You know, even if it's just a courtesy bow and say, we're loaning this for you for 48 hours, please return it on Monday. It's possible, but the thoughts out there, and I know that everyone will talk about VAR in the long term, but if there are these games played when there is no Premier League games and it's international fixtures, come on, please. If we have VAR at every ground, every Premier League ground in the land, you can spare one. You could spare one van for one big game. Please come on. It's possible. It's possible. Anyway, in terms of the game itself, Chelsea, I always like to see Erin Cuthbert play. I think she's such a fantastic player. I really do. I like a top player who would get into probably any other WSL team, you know. But she's at Chelsea and she enjoys being at Chelsea. Anyway, the cross from Cuthbert, superb, superbly headed in by Harder in terms of the goals, because by this time, 
Arsenal are, are way out in front. Harder's header made the game, you know, the excitement increased a little bit more. The intensity was there. Chelsea tried to get back in, but they just didn't click. It wasn't their day. It was Arsenal's day. It was great for Arsenal. They won't be derided as they're going through the season as a team that isn't punching at the weight that they should be punching. They've taken a big scalp in terms of Chelsea and they are going to be a force going forward in this championship race. They will be a force. Um, and, and that's probably what we all want to see. We don't want it to be a two-horse race. We want it to be every team. Every team matters, if that's a phrase. It is a phrase. Um, so, you know, with Beth Mead's third goal, right, I would say that we didn't even need VAR because the lines, or sorry, assistant referee should have flagged. Because the assistant referee was in line with the back line. They were in line with the Chelsea back line and they could see from that position. They could see Beth, Beth Mead was offside. So the referee should have flagged. The referee should have flagged at that moment and the, the goal wouldn't have counted and, and it probably would have ended a, as a draw. But, you know, looking back on it and those that watched the game every day live will probably say that Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea Arsenal deserved the win. Arsenal were, were bold and they were much more fluid team going forward. In terms of the next fixtures, you know, Chelsea will not play that badly again, you don't think. Uh, Emma Hayes has the range of players, top quality players uh, uh, on her roster that she can call upon. And, and, and Emma Hayes herself will not want that to happen again. All the Chelsea players will not want that to happen again. And they will definitely click into gear sooner rather than later. And unfortunately for uh, uh, Everton, I believe, they're, they're up next. And if they're conceding that many goals against Man City, then they might be in for a, they might be in for a really difficult time in, in the next game. And, and that will be a shame. Um, opening game, Manchester United versus Reading. Um, lots of hype around, obviously, opening game. Um, Manchester United have got so much going on in terms of, of the football news. I really wanted to ask the question, and I know that a lot of fans will probably say no, but would it have been interesting to have had um, this game, the Manchester United-Reading game at Old Trafford, it, just to see what the attendance figures would have been like? Because since everyone's comparing attendance figures at, you know, the Emirates and White Hart Lane, et cetera, and to see what's happening, how that would fare if Manchester United were playing Reading as opposed to Manchester City, what, what would that be? Would that be an, an accurate indicator as to who would be prepared to go from one particular club to Old Trafford to support the team. Anyway, uh, goal, goal line technology, get my teeth in, uh, was definitely required in, in, this, in this game. Uh, for all the love of football um, and the inability to slow down the ball in, on television, uh, for those at Sky, not able to press pause at the right time, uh, we couldn't tell whether a, the strike, what looks like a goal, was over the line. Uh, so anyway, um, super fan, super fan. Uh, three points for for Manchester United. Key moments um, for them were that they didn't concede any goals. The defenders looked good. Blundell looked good. Uh, surprised not to see um, Millie Turner start, but the manager obviously going in a different direction. The team looked solid going forward, and it did take them a little while to work out Reading. Reading played a, a very high line, pushed on, probably occupied quite a bit of space in midfield and uh, played almost like a sweeper system with their, their keeper, the two centre-backs spreading wide. 
as Reading do to to spread the play. Uh, without um, their key midfield player, who has recently retired, Friar Williams, um, not necessarily the same flow in in, in the Reading midfield. And um, for them, probably a game where they wish they could have got a little bit more. Um, didn't offer enough in terms of goals, goal attempt going forward, but. You know, they will be there and they're about. At least they didn't concede for, you know, at least they didn't concede for. Um, so there's that. Um, I would definitely say good performance from Manchester United defenders. You know, oh no, I won't try and pronounce your surname because I've had so many people say it wrong. I, I'll just be on the list of individuals that get it, get it wrong. Blundell, I thought it was good. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it was a good, good performance. You know, solid performance. Nothing necessarily too spectacular. Great finish by Ona for her goal. Uh, Ella Toon obviously getting the assists. Uh, strange to see her playing as the out-and-out number nine, although I'm not wearing number nine. And I always feel strange when I see a striker not wearing number nine. It just doesn't, just feels odd. Just feels odd. So um, for Manchester United, a good three points, a good start. Uh, they'll be happy with everything that's happened at the weekend, particularly with Chelsea. Um, and Reading will will rue the fact that they don't they let go of a very good striker. I don't know what happened there, but they let go of a very good striker, and they're going to need to get their their new recruits up and running so that they don't fall behind too soon. Because in this league, you need goals, and you need lots of goals, and you need to make sure that you keep a clean sheet. So they're already down. So in terms of uh, the striker that got away from Reading over to Brighton versus West Ham, and I've got to say at the beginning. Uh, right now that looking at what the highlights I did think that the, the red card was a bit harsh uh, the penalty yes I get it handball possibly yellow I'd say yellow you know but it was impossible for the West Ham player to react in time following that shot from Carter it was it was moving at great pace and it, it's at those moments when you think that the referee needs to you know offer a little bit of kind of reflection and say you know what you've got the penalty I'm going to book you. I don't know how she could say that was deliberate, but, you know, I suppose they say rules are the rules unless you're going to Brazil and you just avoid the rules altogether. Sorry, sorry, slipped out. Uh, goals from Kagman and Lee. See Brighton grab the win. West Ham will be very disappointed, best, definitely disappointed, but they will be happy with the performance, I would say. I'm hazarding a guess and we'll find out definitely from from West Ham fan Ali when I catch up with her very soon. Um, and they will hope more than anything in terms of the performance that when they play the next game, there's an increase in terms of their shots on target ratio, which was not great. Not great because you want to see some more, more goal line activity, more attempts on goal. Um, on the new player, um, <laughs> So it's funny. On the new player for Brighton, it's really strange considering what Reading missed. Uh, Carter in the Brighton colours, she showed plenty of great control, close control, um, good hold-up play, good link play. And um, it's, it's an a absolutely fantastic acquisition for Brighton because there's some, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a player who will occupy the back four, definitely the back two, movement, tricky, and, and, and Brighton's... Uh, midfield will, will, you know, get around her as quickly as possible and, and pose plenty of threats to any opponent on the day. Kagman getting off the sheet again in terms of score sheets, 
uh, scored, I think, roughly nine last season. So up and running, and it's it's good. Uh, Carter will be sorely messed at Reading, for sure. Now, um, the big game for me, yeah, that's right, I had a big game. Uh, Tottenham versus Birmingham. Spurs' first game of the season was at White Hart Lane. I went along, was very... Um, Please, you know, I have to say, White, White Hart Lane is an amazing stadium. I mean, you know, you hear about so many things until you go there, you just think, wow, modern age. Now, I know that will upset some fans in their stadium because they talk about heritage and, you know, it's iconic. But, you know, we're, we're moving in, in, towards the future now where things need to be slightly more slick and clean and accessible. Um, and White Hart Lane definitely ticks all of those boxes. Um, before the game, in the concourse, lots of people there. Didn't have the same you know, number of, of individuals attending the game, but that would be dependent upon the, the opponents. As I said, wouldn't it be interesting if Manchester United were playing Reading at Old Trafford? What would the attendance figures be there as well? So in, in line with the, the discussion about attendance figures and what would it, you know, how do they look, you know, especially with the Arsenal-Chelsea game, Tottenham versus Birmingham, you know, I think roughly over 4,000, maybe four and a half accurate figures. I can get to those in a moment. I think that's quite decent, you know, because Birmingham aren't going to travel with a huge number of fans. And, um, you know, first game of the season, people are picking and choosing what they can go to in terms of finances. It's just what it is. Uh, On the concourse, loads of children, families there, children singing out loud, shouting out. Come on, you Spurs, laughing, running around, really fun atmosphere, parents smiling, taking photos. You know, for me, it was a really good example uh, and sample of what the women's game uh, could be uh, and is, you know, going forward. On the pitch, um, you know, there was definitely a game to be won. You know, both teams didn't have the, the greatest season in the last season, you know, finishing, finishing on the lower half, Birmingham by the skin of their teeth um, in terms of their goal tally last season. You know, they didn't score that many uh, at all. The goals against dwarfed the goals that they scored. So, you know, this game, this first game between both teams um, was a game, that, a game that they had to win. And it was a game that both would have wanted a clean sheet. That was paramount more than anything, you know, from the Spurs players in terms of the beginning of the game from the very beginning they seem to get to grips with playing on a pitch of this size and that's the one thing again about playing in in the stadium where the men plays is the pitch is much bigger uh, but Spurs seem to get to grip with it, grips with it a lot quicker um, you know and we're moving the ball around well lots of good interplay between their players um, Birmingham they're you know, in terms of the statistics, Spurs had the bulk of it. Birmingham were fleeting in their attempts to try and, and, and attack uh, the, the Spurs back line, which played a three, uh, but a very wide three in terms of uh, the goal. The goalkeeper would come out and, and sweep up, had very, very little to do. Uh, from a Spurs point of view, even though they had a substantial amount of, of possession, you know, there was not enough in terms of goal threat going forward for them. So there was always the potential that they could score, but it didn't come to fruition, did there was no real end product. You know, so many times the ball would be played through and it was either too short or it was too long. And if it was too long, then Ramsey would come out 
and collect it. So all of their attacks kind of faded away. And, you know, they looked good. You know, the crowd were very appreciative of what was happening in front of them. Shots on target were there. But in terms of Spurs' really good possession and play, they will probably look back on this game as much as they are extremely happy with the win, extremely happy with a clean sheet. They will probably think we could have scored more goals and we should have scored more goals. And, um, you know, it's it's a game that, you, you know, sometimes you can say it's all about the win, but sometimes it's about the goals as well, because you met, there may come a time when the goal difference goes against you in a particular game and you take a heavy hit, you know, you, you lose like Everton did and you, you concede four. So you need to kind of future-proof yourself for those games when they come around and, and Spurs... In, on this occasion, and I would say that the pitch probably went against them in, in, in terms of the size and being unable to find their players in the final third as fluidly as they would have. I would say that this is a, a very good game for them, very good win, a very good performance. And, you know, um, compared to the shots on target, they had roughly about five, maybe four, maybe six Birmingham were, 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 were less than half, you know, where, where the keeper was was involved. So it's, you know, it's for me, it was a really good game. And for long periods, um, you know, I was speaking to one of the journalists there. It felt like, like Birmingham could do one of those, like rope adults come back and punch Spurs in the gut and say, we're going to take a point. Because they had so much possession. They had so much of the ball um, that the, the one nil just seemed... It, like it just wasn't enough. Um, for Birmingham's point of view, uh, Sarri, uh, Ewans and Quinn, I mean, they did their best to pressure Spurs' back line, but the, the, the battle in itself was won in midfield. Spurs' midfield four, it looked like, moved it ball extremely well. Williams, um, Clameron, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and the ever-busy uh, Kit Graham, who kept dropping into the hole and, and going forward. Um, Spurs from the get-go were fantastic in a sense, you know, and, and um, yeah, it was good, good. And, and what I, I, I liked as well, I, you know, you look at players and you, you don't really know much of them. And some of the, obviously the Spurs have brought in a whole host of players considering the number that they released in the previous season, in the close season. Um, Spurs, Spurs fans will be really pleased with, with Naz. I liked Naz. She was going forward very quick to the ball, very fleet of foot, very nimble, um, will pose problems with defenders if they miss time a tackle in the box. You know, she'll nip the ball away from them and, and I can see, you know, penalties being awarded. Um, she's that quick to the ball. Um, and uh, in terms of the goal, I know it was described as a, a training ground move for the goal. It, I mean, honestly, it didn't look like that. It looked like a cross from... Graham and the keeper just missed it, missed, just couldn't reach it. And, and, but goals count, right? So I'm not hating. So keep mentioning. Right? <laughs> so let's not go there. So yes, a solid performance from Spurs. Um, again, I'll say, I'll reiterate the point, probably they'll, they'll wish they scored more goals. And, and I'm saying this in, 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 within mind of the teams that have put forward like four goals and three goals where they will come up against a, a forward line that will be constantly on them. So to future-proof, get the goals in, get the goals for count up as quickly as possible, uh, and that, that will help going forward. Um, Birmingham, you know, 
I, yeah, I hope this is going to be a good season for Birmingham, considering everything that went before. And I think this game is, is it, it will be far too harsh to judge what Birmingham will be capable of doing on this pitch, on the pit at White Hart Lane, because it was, you know, it's not a pitch that they will play on normally in terms of size. And it was the occasion of it being the first game. So, um, yeah, there's all that to consider. So, um, yeah, let me get to it. I've got some notes and we just flashed those up now. Um, uh, flash those up for me, not for you. Uh, yeah, the Arsenal attendance, uh, close to 9,000. Everton, close to 6,000. Spurs, just over 4,500. Um, Brighton, just over 2,000. Man United, just over 2,000. And Villa, just over seven 700. So, you know, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, first, first weekend, um, I thought was really good, you know. Thought was really good. Uh, apologies if I've missed any WSL team. You know, I'm, we only have so much time, so apologies. Um, I'll get to you guys another time. Uh, so we're going to pause. We're going to go to the FAWC. See you in a minute. Now, uh, I almost forgot to add that uh, after the game, I had the chance to speak to Rianne Skinner and put the question to her with relation to uh, the emotion of the day. Because emotion and football are intrinsically linked. And I wanted to know what it was going through her mind before the game and whilst the game was going on once Tottenham had scored their goal. Here's what she had to say. Do you know, I was, I was talking to the players about this, actually. So... Yesterday, I watched the game against uh, for United against Reading. And um, obviously, it was a landmark moment yesterday with Sky Sports and everything. And um, I, I remembered the first game that I was at when I was with Arsenal, which was the very first ever WSL game. So it was Arsenal against Chelsea. And we played a, a pitch that, you know, had quite a bit of sand on it, to be fair. If you remember the first goal that was ever scored in the WSL, it wasn't a pretty one. And um, But ultimately, like, to think about where that was then to where we are now for this season. There's been lots of things that have gone out in the press about how important this season is and how the growth of the game is so important. And, you know, that was back in 2011. You know, it's come such a long way. And um, so going into the game for me, sort of being back on the grass in a club environment, this is actually my first sort of league game at the start of the season with coming halfway through last season for, for a few years because of the international football side of things. So, you know, I think just looking at the way that the game's grown was so pleasing coming into that. We're going into the Hotspur Stadium to play our first game and just the support in and around it was obviously just a real, such a positive feel coming into today. And also the way that we've played pre-season just felt really positive, confident with the players, you know, everybody's worked really, really hard. So it was, as the game started, you know, I wasn't surprised that it took us a few minutes to get into it and that sort of thing. But when the goal came in, I didn't really celebrate that much, to be honest, because I sort of thought, well, it's, you know, it's about time. And that was absolutely no disrespect to Birmingham whatsoever. We just created lots of chances and just needed to make sure it went in the back of the net, really. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously now game's, game's done. 1-0 win, clean sheet, you know, all loads of positives going into it. And I think um, it's going to give us the, the platform that we need for the rest of the season, really. It's great to start with three points. FAWC, right? Week two. Um, <laughs> just, where, where can you begin? We've seen players leave 
establish clubs in the, in the close season, go to clubs who are going professional. And there's all of this kind of like, not hype, but this, this, this hum as an anticipation of what's going to happen. And we get to week two, no wins on the board for Coventry. No wins. Uh, yeah, that's all I can say at the beginning of this review. No wins first, like that's where I'm going first. No wins. We'll come back to commentary. The London Derby, London City Lionesses um, and Crystal Palace, both with decent wins in their first week. But you produced the usual high tempo, intense game that I, I saw last season. And in previous seasons, uh, London clubs always have good games, but the Lionesses take the spoils in this one. Palace will definitely be shaking their heads in terms of the missed chances to grab a point right at the end. There were some good performances from individual players. The goals uh, before halftime uh, um, in terms of London City, Palace score very early from a set piece. Uh, Waldy getting on, on a very, very deep cross uh, in the penalty area. And, you know, and this was all within the first 10 minutes. And uh, for London City Lionesses, they react in the right way. You know, they they go at Crystal Palace's defence and they create a certain amount of uh, confusion. Again, another penalty, another handball. I couldn't even see it on the highlights. I have to be honest with you. Uh, whether to say it was harsh or accurate, I don't know. But there must be a directive right now in terms of women's football about handball and players may have to get to grips with that very, very quickly. If they're going to challenge or close down opposing players, hands may just have to be behind your backs. So, yeah, so a claim against um, Hannah Churchill for a place of Crystal Palace. And uh, for the second week, you know, um, running um, London City Lionesses score from a penalty, Jarrett scoring to uh, very conclusively. And the second... Um, was awarded to Napier, um, but it really did look like an own goal coming off of the, the former Lioness player, Leanne Cowan, who, who was, you know, going back to her old stomping ground where she played before. So, you know, for, for the sake of the stats, we'll, we'll go with Napier, um, but it did look like it, an own goal, you know, but you guys can see for yourself and check for yourself but um you know i'm gonna say with this game it could have gone it could have been two two it could have been three three um you know obviously london city lionesses will be extremely happy with with um all three points crystal palace will reset as i know they will and go again and see how they can correct what went wrong and um i'm definitely looking forward to the rematch uh, in terms of uh another team that uh I watched last week when it was Bristol City who were the visitors to Crystal Palace. Uh, they they were doing their own version of comeback, the comebacks. You know, they took on Lewis, who had unfortunately didn't get to play the first week. So this was their first game. Um, Lewis took the lead from Umatong in the first half. And, you know, by all accounts, you would think that Lewis, who have previously in the previous season, uh, were very good defensively you know, um, on the road and at home, um, that they would, once they took the 1-0 the lead, they would see out the game. But they, they didn't know about Abby Harrison's missile attacks. And uh, it was definitely a missile attack, a, a strike 
that that you want that you want to see to get you back into a game and definitely would have lifted the spirits of, of the Bristol players, Bristol City players who, you know, took quite a heavy defeat in their first game. I mean, they scored three, but to concede four goals, it is demoralising. It probably would have brought back memories of being in the WSL conceding four. Uh, and, and then to get the penalty and to have a former Lewis player uh, who left Lewis to go and join Bristol to step up and take the penalty and, and score the winning goal. So it's a game that I, I think that Lewis would probably themselves will look back on and think they could have, have, have done better in terms of their own performance. I know that the, the, the club hold themselves to a high standard and they will want to definitely go and rectify that. Bristol will be over the moon with a win. Um, a lot of new players, uh, Abby Harrison there uh, as one of the, the season pros. I'm surprised she wasn't named as captain. Uh, for the season but the decision obviously is not mine but I was surprised she was the most vocal uh, during the um, Crystal Palace game and uh, she's stepping up to the mark in terms of getting the goals in to, to to show the team and the fans who were there to watch what what winning is all about so um, great for Bristol they needed that as they probably want to get back to the WSL as quickly as possible Lewis first game uh, a little bit of a hiccup um, but they'll definitely, you know, go away and and think about what they need to do for the next game, uh, so that they can get points. All right. So I started the review on the FAWC Coventry, right? You know, Katie Wilkinson leaves Sheffield United and goes to Coventry. It's like major news. They they are recruiting in a way that no one understands, and everyone's thinking, "Wow, this team's going to be something." And they're playing Charlton. And they don't get a win. And then you're thinking, you know, two two games. I know it's very, I know it's very early. And people will think, oh, you know, it's it's only week two. But you know, in a team where there are so few teams, you know, when you it, it doesn't take hard to look down the table to see who's bottom. And you know, the feeling of being bottom isn't a nice feeling, and it sits with you when you are bottom, and it takes it takes some time. So Coventry will definitely need to, to go back and work out what's going wrong for them. But in the game against Charlton, it looked like Charlton just seemed hungrier. They seemed quicker. They seemed more aggressive. They seemed more, much more direct in their play. They seemed to be fluid. Uh, and the two strikes, um, you know, the first goal, the strike from Ella um, Rutherford is just like it's a great strike. It looks like there's a flexion as well. But the second the, the second goal that she scores, the, the you know, this quick swivel of the hips, um, straight the hit and it's straight into the net. And you just think, OK, this team has some, something about it. This is a team that sat bottom of the league for the bulk of last season. And they have a, a whole host of players. So they have definitely regrouped. They re-energised and they have a focus and they're playing with a pl- to, to a plan. So, you know, well done to Charlton who, who get their win. Coventry need to act quickly. You know, they really need to do to really need to act quickly to get to get up and running in this in this league. Because this league's tough. This you know, week by week, teams that won one week, they don't win the next week, and you, you put money on that they're gonna win and they don't win. You know, so Charlton were impressive, they were tough, they were tigerish, they were quick to the tackle direct in their play, slick passing. They just, 
they just looked very good in this game. Very good. Um, yeah, for them, great. For, for, for Coventry, you know, they need to be, well, they need to switch on the button. And, and another thing for this game, there were two corner goals. Goals scored direct from corners. Two goals. But in the same goal, you know, for each team. Now that, that in itself is something. Two, two goals from corners, but in the same goal. Watch this space. Watch this space. Um, Sheffield United versus Durham. Durham, you know, so close last time. Really good team. Really strong outfit. You know, they played Sheffield United, who didn't have a very first good first game. Um, Sheffield United take all three points. You know, they win. Durham don't get the win. And it just goes to show you how quickly things can turn around in this league when a team isn't on their game on the day. You know, you know, Sheffield looked really, really good. They probably could have scored more. Um, and they win the game by three goals to one. You know, Durham um, will regroup, as I, as we've those who watch the league will know, and they will come again, and we'll see what happens. This league is going to be really exciting. I, I am so excited about the, the FAWC. It's, I mean, WSL, yeah, I like, but I'm excited about the FAW. I'm excited. Every time I see a game, I'm like thinking, well, what's going to happen here? It's going to be one of, it's going to be one of those games. You know, it really, really is. So um, Sheffield United, rocket goal, bang. Watson, bang. In there, in the net. Three goals, three goals, three goals. Um, top of the league, Sunderland. March on, two wins on the trot, sitting top, six points, beating Blackburn. See, winning games don't concede. That's the name of the game. <clears throat> so Sunderland are, are, are top. They play, uh, the next game is actually away uh, to Crystal Palace. So Crystal Palace will have their, their work cut out. Sunderland will, will hope to continue their run. And um, good for Sunderland because it, it just goes to show you that for all of what fans know and what people predict, this, this division is just, it's unique and it will give you something every single week. Um, Watford um, lose their second game in a row and, you know, Liverpool get their win and they needed to react after their first game and they get their win and, you know, they score all their goals in the first half and, and Watford rally very late, rally late to, 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 to score two, you know. So you can see that within, within this league, it's going to go all the way. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be thrilling. You know, this week of women's football has been, it's been really good. If you've been able to get to a game, great. If you haven't been and you've been able to watch it, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, on the VAR thing, Gold Line Technology, you know, as I'll say again, I reiterate the point one more time. If a game is being televised, if someone has to stay at home and watch it, then there shouldn't be VAR. That simple. If the games are being played, on a weekend or a week when there is no Premier League fixtures, then at the very least, you would expect that one of the VAR outfits, which travel the length and breadth of this country, 
could be loaned out to a big fixture. Not hard. Call it a Christian deed. Call it a charitable um, gift. Call it what you like. But we can't have this conversation about if only we had. We, we used the phrase and the sentence, you know, we've just suffered a pandemic. Yeah, we have. And we've seen the medical world work round the clock to find the vaccine, which some people have taken and some haven't. And it just goes to show what willpower can do. So if we're talking about people rolling up in a van, plugging in a monitor, yeah, then we can do it. If we watch people break their necks to find a vaccine within 12 months, surely we can get VAR to one game, one big game within women's football when there is absolutely no Premier League football being played. You know, so that's my, that's my plea. I'll end on a happy note. Um, this is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. This was your kind of women's football roundup, looking at the WSL and the FAWC. Woo-hoo. Love it. Who doesn't love it? I love it. You love it? See you guys later. Bye for now.